Slava Isusu Christo. We just have a couple of announcements before the homily. Uh, number one, we're getting ready now for the Dormition, the feast when our Lord took his blessed mother, body and soul, into heaven, which is the 15th of August. And uh, in the Byzantine rite of the church, especially among the Slavs, this is always a month of pilgrimage. Of course, we're not having any pilgrimages much because of the virus that's amongst us. So, but we do keep the fast for 15 days in preparation for the feast. It's binding on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Eat no meat or dairy products, if you wish. It's a voluntary fast, but here in the monastery, we keep it pretty strictly, and we keep the monastic fast, so we don't eat any of that for 15 days. 14th is the vigil. And on weekends, uh, we're always exempt. There's always the island in the fast because Saturday is the old Sabbath and Sunday is the Feast of the Lord's Resurrection. So we never fast on those two days. Um, second, uh, the sixth of this month, which is this week, is the Feast of the Dedication of the Holy Temple, because this temple is dedicated to the Transfiguration. Indeed, he is the Son of God. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I've been doing some wonderful scripture studies these past couple weeks. Very exciting. It gives me lots of material to talk to you about in my homilies. And uh, I say this to you. If Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, we are not saved. And Paul goes further and says, if he is not risen from the dead, we are not saved. How is that? The Holy Trinity is the very heart of our faith. That's why we say the Nicene Creed at every liturgy. And in the early church, when Constantine was the emperor, he wanted a religion to unite the Roman Empire. And he chose Christianity because within seven years, Christianity crossed the whole Mediterranean world. He says, why find another religion when this is taking over like with speed, thinks to himself. So he called the Council of Nicaea 325. He presided there, and his reason was to unite his people in the Christian faith, although he himself was not yet a Christian. He would become a Christian on his deathbed. He would feel sick, and he would uh, 
come from the battlefield and get a white uh, settee or a white bed and put all white clothes on himself and be baptized. He was shortly there, I, he went to the heavenly kingdom. Now this Lord Jesus Christ, he's truly God and truly man. He has a nature just like us. In the Eastern Church, we teach that with the fall of Adam and Eve, there had to be a recapitulation, a restoration of creation. And we have a very long history of recapitulation, theology from Irenaeus himself all the way to this day, teaching us that what is taken up in Christ in his human nature is saved, and what is not is not saved. And of course, he took up everything save sin. Unfortunately, we are still subject to sin, and that's why we have to stay close to our Lord in our prayer life and in the sacramental liturgy so that we can overcome those tendencies in ourselves that are contrary to the gift of being baptized and becoming part of Christ's body, the church. I've been reading about the ascension, and uh, you know, uh, we, we just passed, passed that at Easter time. Talked about the ascension of Jesus. And it was a theophany. It means a place where God manifests himself in Greek, theophanos. And um, he told the disciples as his farewell address, to decide to, to, to baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he went up as in a cloud. It's always the sign of a theophany, of God's manifestation. Uh, in the first temple of the meeting, the ancients prayed before Solomon built the new temple, it was always filled with the cloud, the Shekinah, that came and showed the presence of God. And I heard the story of a uh, priest. He was having difficult with his parish. It's a sad thing that priests have difficulties with their parish, but you rascals sometimes you're hard to deal with. That's the way it is. And he had a summer school for the children. And he went in, he was going to have a short service in the afternoon. Because the children, you know, they aren't always the best they can be in church, but that's okay. They love them, whatever they're doing. This is their church too. And so he was praying and a little bit discouraged. One of the hours, little hours in the afternoon, he was going to bless them with the holy gifts. And the Shekinah entered the church, the whole cloud of God's presence. What a gift that was to affirm him in his dedication to his people. But we want the Shekinah to come into our heart 
as we pray. And that's not impossible, but it means we're living a life that our mind is pure, my heart is pure, and our soul is pure, so that our very heart is a worthy dwelling place for God's presence. God is present in Jesus Christ because he is the very Son of God. He is present in us through the life of grace, sanctifying grace or the divine energies. And we have to cultivate that. That's the only way we can really say to the Lord, you are the Son of God. In the gospel today, he walked on the water and he asked them why they had such little faith. And they said, finally, you are the Son of God. He went to great lengths to establish some they should have known. But of course, they were frightened. It was all new to them, and the church was young. But beautiful things were going on in the church. As I read, I study, there's these few books I'm studying right now about the early church and how the people lived and how the Mediterranean world was converted in just seven years. We're having a hard time converting the United States to anything. They want to, they're all turning into party people. And of course, I think God is chastising us with this disease that's amongst us. Do we deserve to be chastised? Yes. Because we say we believe in Jesus Christ and he is the Son of God, second person of blessed Trinity, and we have the Holy Liturgy, and we have the sacred gifts in communion, and still terrible sins are amongst us. The worst sin, I think, that could bring this upon us is all the children we've sacrificed to abortion, grave sin. Every child is God's yes to life. And now we're in turmoil because we cannot accept Christ and his teaching. The United States used to say we were a Christian nation. They don't say that anymore. Well, now we're supposed to be uh, Holy nation or uh, open to everybody, but it's okay. But let us convert them to the learn who the Lord Jesus is. Now, how we do that is through prayer. So you become so excited about your relationship to the Holy Trinity, to the Son of God, the great high priest that you have to tell everybody around you. You can't stop telling them. That's the way it was in the early church. And then by our lives, our good works, and our beautiful preaching of the gospel, many will come and our nation will be liberated from its sinful desires. Yesterday I heard in the radio that uh, we have about 50% unemployment. And uh, I think that's a tragedy. I think many people are not going to be without their home or money or to eat. 
And of course, our government has been very generous, giving out unemployment and things like that. And I appreciate that. But they should take care of the people. And they should take care of our private property. And they should take care of our civil rights. And they should come to appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. That's the hardest job. So they can say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So as you leave the temple today at this beautiful liturgy and you go to Holy Communion, uh, talk to the Lord, receive the holy gifts, about peace in your heart, about the Shekinah being upon you in your heart, your little church, your heart, and praying for your neighbor and the conversion. I remember uh, when I was a youngster, I would go to church. It was very nice, by the way. And uh, we church, we prayed in both English and Slavonic when I was coming up. Pretty much Slavonic's not used too much because people don't understand it. And um, it's beautiful. It says beautiful things, quite poetic. And uh, I think uh, what attracted to me the church was the beauty of the music, the singing, and the art in the church, and the people. At that time, the people had just, most of them in our churches had migrated from maybe 1920, the Industrial Revolution, and they came in to work in the factories, and the first thing they built was their churches. Then gradually, our presence grew, and we started to convert people, and they intermarried with other people and brought them to the church. Wonderful thing. But I remember such beautiful things I repeated them before sometimes is the way they sang, the way they kept their faith, the way they kept their home as in a Christian home, that the home was a little church. There was no doubt. And they did it habitually. So one of my friends that I was in seminary with called me some time ago. I think I've told you before. He said to me, he says, Father Joe, he says, our church is only half full. He says, why do you think that is? I, says, I said, well, I think, remember the people that built those churches back east, and they're big. Our parish church held 800 people. And uh, they've all gone to the Lord. They're all now in the cemetery. And I said, they didn't have enough children. So those people, when they came to church, there was a mother and father of four or five or six children. I said, people today in America, they, they don't realize that marriage is for children. It's for the family. The family is where it's at. And so I said, the second ring is the reason is he's a Roman Catholic. I says, the people are not too crazy about 
all the changes in the liturgy you have. I said, maybe you better go back to what you had. And the third thing I said to him is, in America, people move around all the time. So churches have a hard time because they might have a couple hundred families or more one year, and then they, they lose 25% of them, and they have to try to find new people and convert them into the church. And these are the reasons what the priest has to deal with. And people don't really understand how a church is really, how they exist in America. Now, in Europe, um, my housekeeper, when I was a young priest, uh, her name was Mrs. Shipka. She was from Sashin in Slovakia. And I would talk to her in our language because that way I learned more of the language. I talked at home with my grandparents. And my dad and his brothers and sisters, they, they almost forgot the language. I talked to my dad. He was 90-some years old, and I said, well, Dad, he says, I, I, he says, I don't understand you anymore. He said, he lost it. So I had to talk to him in English. And uh, in talking to these people, they had a beautiful way of talking. No vulgarities. Beautiful phrases. And always blessing you like, praise be Jesus Christ. We're always greeting each other in these ways. So that on their mind and in their hearts was always the presence of God within them. A lot of that because of the television and secularization and humanism been lost when we lost the older uh, uh, generation. And they all went off to college and became wise guys. I went off and became a wise guy myself. I have five degrees. I don't know why I need all those degrees. Don't need them. All I need is the grace of God and the unlaying of the bishops on my hands to make me a priest. So every day in every way, the Lord has to make miracles to keep us in the church. When Bishop Kurt was out here to consecrate, or it's for my 50th anniversary, he said, this church will be a place of miracles, and I believe that. And we have our Mary Help a Mother over there, beautiful icon, to help women, especially to be fruitful and to make reparation for any sins, and for men to pray where they can have a decent family. And the family has to be the heart of knowing Jesus. That's the way it always has been. That's the way it's been in the early church, and that is how it is today. So you can say to your spouse, you can say to your neighbor, you can say freely without getting beat up or something, that Jesus is the Lord. And when you can say to your spouse, when you've had a little impasse, Jesus is the Lord. And you all think. At Cana, we have the icon over there on the wall. The couple are married. They have the crowns there. And Mary comes to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. 
and he takes water and turns it into wine. He takes for a man and a woman their love for each other, a very common thing, and turns it into a richness of a sacrament. And that is because they say to each other, Jesus is Lord. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.